0: Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour
1: with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr. Joined once again by my good friend and co-host, J.D. Hall. J.D., in the tradition of throwing a curveball, when you expect a fastball, that Super Bowl halftime show, what do you think about it?
1: Um, Considering they had the gold up there, I would say it's the greatest of all time.
0: I mean, Snoop Dogg, you know, it, it is really good.
1: Well, actually, this might be second, because Michael Jackson did have a, Super Bowl performance. Um, I loved it. It's the best one I I feel in years. The me being biased, I, I love this one and the one with the weekend more than every other one that I've seen in a long time.
0: I mean, those two are the top notch shows to me. I mean, you're right. Those two are the best two I can remember in forever. I don't even remember the one with, like, Shakira. Was that Shakira and JLo a couple of years ago?
1: Yeah, I, even... I, I remember uh, Shakira became a meme. Yeah, because she
0: did, like, the little tongue, you know, yeah. the tongue thing, but it's like... I don't remember
1: that... the actual performance, though.
0: <laughs> exactly. Like, this one I'm going to remember for a while, the way they structured the houses, you know, the way, like, the next episode still DRE, I mean those two beats by themselves are yeah. two of the most iconic hip hop beats ever. And then I kind of wish M did it like Lose Yourself feels like such a stereotypical M song, but at the same time, you know that's kind of the song he had to do.
1: Same yeah, with I figured uh that was going to be the song. I wanted it to be honestly. <laughs> I wanted so bad for that one to be the song.
0: I wanted there's so many good M songs. There's so many good 50 songs. I saw some people saying that 50 didn't belong up there. It's like, no. <laughs> 50 is like integral part of Dr. Dre's history since yeah. 50 like ran you know like a whole like couple of years there. And then I'm not really familiar with Mary J Blige, you know, I'm not going to lie. So, she was I liked her performances and then Kendrick. There were so many ways Kendrick could have gone. I love Kendrick. Yeah. JD, it just was really a top notch halftime show and it just shows that they should just put good music on the stage <laughs>
1: I agree like I'm tired of the alright we try, we just trying something throwing stuff together I think this one was fantastic
0: yeah I remember like in 2016 I think it was when they just had like Bruno Mars the guy from Coldplay and Beyonce it's like no yeah like this, it didn't mix well this was like an actual like good direction of a halftime show and shout out to Dre because he's responsible for a lot of good music in the last, you know, 30 years. So I want to, um, shout him out. I'm also wearing beats by Dre. (laughs) (laughs) So this podcast wouldn't be possible without him, but JD, I think it's time we move on to basketball and the trade deadline happened last week. We did not have you on. We had our good friend, Caleb Lynn, on to discuss. I would like to know before we get started, what are some of the trade deadline deals you like to talk about before we move on? Um,
1: I would say outside of the big one, well, everybody just look at it as being for Harden. I love the fact that David was aggressive and pulled in a desperate Need and Andre Drummond. I think Drummond about to look back like the old Drummond. Uh, Seth Curry was a freaking huge steal. I I do not know why they put both of them in the trade. And then to only get back Paul Millsap, who we haven't seen much of this year. I don't think that was smart at all. Yeah. Um, Boston going out there and getting Derrick White, I think, is an underrated move. I think it was great for them. Um, Let me see. It was a couple nice moves, made. I I love the Clippers addition of um, Powell and Covington. I love that Milwaukee went and got Surge. I think that's a very underrated move. Um, Phoenix... I, I really wasn't too big on the too much of what Phoenix had uh, done with Tory Craig. I feel like they was already like smooth selling. I see why they did it though. I mean, it's cool, but I, it wasn't like a big needle mover to me. Maybe it could pay off down the line, but I feel like you already got. Three guys doing that same thing already right there, so they gonna you know have to carve out more minutes, and in the playoffs is good to be deep, but how deep can you really run sometimes? And I think that'll be their thing uh, that they might have to run into. And then let me see who else made a big move. Sacramento stealing Sabonis. Uh, that was a very nice move for them. But uh, let me just say this. The Pacers suck. The front office is terrible. I'm so freaking tired of them. Year after year, they get worse and worse. And for some reason, these oblivious Pacers fans just blame the players for not wanting to be there. Who the hell does? Every player that they get that want to be there gets screwed over. And I, I know it's some that's going to be mad that Brogdon's still on the team. Well, guess what? He has been one of you all smooth sailors that's keeping y'all season afloat the last freaking few years. Y'all can hate that he's there, but guess what? He probably do too. In fact, I'm, I'm willing to bet my last dollar that he does. Who wants to play for Indiana? Um, y'all got, like, like, I bet they screw over Tyrese Hallenberg. I bet they screw him over, just like Sacramento. They will screw him over. Why? Cause that's the Pacers' way. I see what you're saying.
0: Um, I don't agree. <laughs> I can't believe I'm defending Indiana right now. Um, and you know, I yeah. mean what they've been doing.
1: You, right? You've been sipping. You've been sipping some of that uh, Pacers juice.
0: No, I have not been. It's called watching Tyrese
1: Halliburton for the last year and a half. I love watching him play, man. I I love Tyrese Halliburton. That's why I hate that he's there. They gonna screw him over.
0: (laughs) We'll see. I mean, he looked really good, right? And J.D., let's face it, sending Sabonis to Sacramento, that's like
1: punishment in and of itself. You know what I mean? Like To an extent, he playing with a much better player. So It could attract talent that is California. It is California, but did
0: you see that tweet a couple months ago from Solomon Hill where Buddy Heald was like, after Solomon Hill tore his, he had some kind of injury, and Buddy Heald's like, I'm praying for you, brother. And then (laughs) Solomon Hill was like, I'm praying for you too, my brother, that you're still stuck in Sacramento. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that.
1: I think Sacramento has
0: a reputation around
1: the league and not a good one. I don't think Yeah, they're wanna... not they not good either, but I'm gonna be honest. I'd rather play with a bet with better players than be stuck in a trash organization with worse players. And let's face it, Indiana was getting worse and worse. They was I mean, getting worse and worse. It's not possible for them to be much worse than they are. They're the fifth
0: worst team in the league by record right now. So it's not like you know. They have to go very further to be much worse than they were. I gotta say, JD, like they haven't tanked since the 80s. I wanna see what th- can happen if they can get like a top three caliber guy in here, cause they've never had that. And I know, I know how you're gonna respond to that based on what you've just said, <laughs> but
1: nobody's going to Indiana.
0: I mean, if they get a top three pick, JD, I'm sorry, I'm not turning down that top three pick salary just cause it's in Indiana. I'm not, like, no, personally. No, but
1: they'll screw him over too.
0: I mean, <laughs> probably. I I want to give. I don't want to spend this whole time on the Pacers because we got a lot to talk about. You are absolutely right about the Nets getting Drummond and Curry in that deal. I think Curry became a little redundant since they have Maxi and Maxi's playing so well. That being said, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't what have got shooters. Rid of-
1: yeah, what outside of Danny Green, who do they got that can shoot? Well, they tried
0: to include Danny Green in the trade. I don't think I've seen Danny Green make a three since he was in Toronto.
1: Oh no, nah, Danny! 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 Been knocking them down this year, and that's part uh, of why I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, I have. You know, I gotta watch Philly because they got one of my favorite players. I mean, listen, I I'm not trying to
0: slander Danny Green. It just feels like I haven't seen him make a shot in three seasons. <laughs> I, but he's a very good shooter. He'll play. He'll look really good playing next to Harden. Drummond, like this is where I'm confused from the Philadelphia perspective, is Drummond is by far the best backup they've had for Embiid in Philly. Like, I know I've shit on Drummond a lot and he's deserved it a lot of the time, right? Like he sucked in Los Angeles last year. He wasn't really good in Detroit. But he won them some games off the bench this year. Like there was a game against Memphis and Memphis is the third best team in the West. There was a game that Drummond won them against Memphis, right? So to have a guy that can win you like who isn't on Embiid's level but is a starter off your bench yeah, that's not something you can replace with you know Charles Bassey like the 53rd pick in the draft
1: yeah. right you're not going to get that, up. that I knew what I was about to hit. that Danny Green shooting 39% from the three this year I, so I mean you it's only off seven points but I mean that's critical when you only got two shooters. And then, with what you were saying about drumming. how do you give up Drummond? If you're going to get rid of him, number one, don't do it to a team in your division. Number two, don't give him to a team that desperately needs a guy like him. Really? Like, oh, my gosh. And then, Steph Curry. Helm or Danny Green alongside Patty Mills is not going to help your chances.
0: I think they, keeping Danny Green, like in all seriousness, is good for them because they need someone who can guard threes. But yeah,
1: I don't know. Have a hard time guarding those guys.
0: It's oh, of course. Like you're not going to be able to stop those guys. But your counter is okay. Drummond can't stop a bead, right? Like. <laughs> That's your bet, right? No one can stop Embiid. No one can stop Harden off Embiid. And we've seen guys play next to Harden shoot career-high three-point percentages, right? So I I would bet Danny Green's three-point percentage goes up. This team is going to be offensive juggernaut, but I don't know how their defense... Like, J.D., I said... I predicted this on the trade deadline pod. I think that they're going to finish first in the East and not make the conference finals because I think that just their defensive structure isn't going to work, right? Harden likes to switch and Embiid likes to drop on defense. Those two things aren't compatible with each other. And then you add the fact Tobias Harris and Harden both need to guard fours. Yeah. Add in the fact that like you have Tybalt, right? Who is probably (laughs) just pound for pound, the best perimeter defender in defender
1: in the league right now.
0: Yeah. But he
1: can't play offense, so hey, lately he's been knocking it down in their most recent games, and I think a huge part of that has been his confidence shot up and knowing that he's he gotta be on the floor. I still think they'll leave him wide open in the playoffs. Like yeah. I think that's probably... like they're gonna give him the Lou Dort treatment a couple of years ago. And to be fair, Lou Dort did um come up huge. Yeah
0: in the last, you know, in game seven of the final, in the finals, game seven of the first round. But I, I, I'll just be real curious to see how that experiment goes in Philadelphia. We'll talk more about them. We need to play an episode sometime in the next week, JD, where we talk about all the teams that you didn't get to cover before Dylan left. Okay. (laughs) I think that's what I want to do next week since it's the all-star break and there's not, there's going to be like two games left (laughs) for each team this week. So, But, J.D., let's go ahead and move on to the injury news for the week, and we'll kind of go through these quickly. Um, Brad Beal, he injured his wrist. He's going to be out for the season. The tank is on in Washington. You saw they traded Bertans and Dinwiddie for Portozingis, and they traded Harrell for for Ish Smith and some backup center, whose name I don't care to learn. J.D., I think the Wizards are going to be one of the worst teams in the league for the next month. Is that a fair statement?
1: (laughs) Um... Yes and no. Yes, because Porzingis is also out. But no, because we don't got a timeline on when he come back. And if he was to become day-to-day as of today, they'll have somebody that we can say is better than everybody on a couple teams. So I think they, they may have a chance. I'm confused as hell about that trade, too. Not a good one. I like I, I don't I don't know. Like I, I get that Wizards feel Bill and then Woody can't play together, but what the hell Dallas? Like, really. Didn't Woody don't 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 make y'all better. I like Britz, but you know I love Davis Brittans. Spurs guy. Yeah. But what the hell is he doing that Massey Kleber doesn't do? Yeah, he, shoot the, he shoot the ball a little deeper, but I mean, hello, we we you don't I don't see a big change in what you did. Przingis was the best player, and y'all got rid of him for what? For guys that y'all not finna be able to play next to Luca? I well, Bertans can. I don't think Dinwiddie is a good fitness to Luca. Porzingis was a great fitness to Luca. The problem was they didn't have the coach prior years. Jason Kidd did a good job with them this year. Yeah, Jason Kidd's
0: been like, I think we talked about it on the last episode since we had the Mavericks last week before, you know, they made all these trades. <laughs> um Yeah. Jason Kidd is doing a good job. I think Dinwiddie is more like just when Luca's off the floor, we'll just give him the keys. But even then, like how many minutes a game is Luca going to be off the floor, especially in the playoffs? Like he's probably yeah. going to be off the floor for like what eight minutes, if that. So the I best. agree. With, I agree with that there. And then Breton's isn't going to be able to play in the playoffs. Like just straight up, he like his defense isn't good enough. Unless they find a way, but it's not like. Lowry marketing, right? I think one of the keys for the map for the Cavs season this year is that he didn't have a defensive reputation, but he's seven feet tall.
1: <laughs> yeah, we just knew he could be a great help side defender, which at yeah. times on the Bulls he was.
0: And you throw him on the worst perimeter
1: defender or on the worst perimeter
0: player, and it's fine. Bertans isn't seven feet tall. I don't know how tall he is. He's at like I think six eight which is, you know, average size, small forward slash power forward. I don't, I don't think it's going to cut it. And yeah, I think I don't really understand. I didn't understand that trade for Dallas either, but you know, to be able to trade smaller contracts, I guess that's the only reason to make sense is we want to be like, Hey, I have an $18 million guy. I have a $15 million guy, but no one's trading you a star for that. Like the best guy you probably would get would be your good friend Tobias Harris. So Oh, I gosh. don't but like that's I, I don't think I'm being off base here. Like no. you're not getting Chris Middleton with that package. <laughs> and Chris Middleton is making like 35 million a year. I don't know. It's it's dumb. I don't like it at all for the Mavericks. Um in the interest of time, let's go ahead and move on to Zach Levine. He is going to Los Angeles to get his knee reevaluated. Don't break
1: don't break my heart, A B.
0: Well, he is saying he's participating in all star weekend, JD. But if you were the Bulls, would you want him participating in All Star weekend or would you say, take it easy,
1: Zach? Um, for a bit picture reference, take it easy. But at the same time, it is Zach Levine and he's been wanting these moments for a long time. So I can't be upset that he wants to participate. It's just as a team, I want to shut him down. Rest up, get healthy. But also as a competitor, I understand where he's coming from. Like he been feeling like he deserved to be in these moments, what, three years now? He finally got recognition last year outside of being a dunk contest before. So I see why he wants to. It just I don't know. Like kind of uh big picture mindset. And he's still young, so his body is healing at a fast rate. I mean, look at a lot of these guys uh, that that get hurt at how they've been able to come back, you know? So I, I can understand both I, sides of it.
0: I just think it would be easier for him to just take, like, he hasn't played since, you know, the 12th would have been Saturday. So just give him, like, a week and a half off, right? Yeah and just be like, Hey Zach, you know, come back after the all-star break, you'll be fresh. You'll be like, you'll be ready to go. And I think that's just the way to go because yeah, like he, nobody tries hard in the all-star game, but that's still effort you're putting on your knee. You know, you're still running up and down the court. It might be like more of a fast jog, but you're still running. You know, I just, I wouldn't want to take any chances and I understand, but you just got to say, Hey Zach, you're going to make so many more of these. We're trying to win a championship. And I think that's what you got to tell Zach. Yeah. I, I would just try to be more cautious with it. That's, that's where I'm coming from. No, I, I, I understand that completely. I definitely do. It's, I listen, I want Zach to be like, you know, I'd like to see him win the three point contest, be the only person to ever, you know, be in the all-star game, win the dunk contest and win the three point contest. But that might have to wait. You know, Zach's shooting isn't ever going to go away. Yeah. He's going to be a good shooter for a long time. So We'll wait to see on that one. Um, some rapid-fire injuries that we can just go through real quick. You brought up the Norm Powell trade. He fr- fractured a bone in his foot, and he's going to be out for a good amount of time. The Clippers didn't say how long he was going to be out for. but Yeah, I hate it. He, it's a non-surgical kind of deal. So there's a chance, J.D., I think... It sucks for the Clippers, but I think there's a chance he's back by the playoffs. Yeah, I,
1: I do too, because... I mean, without him needing to have surgery, I think that's great, honestly. Let it sit and heal and just let
0: it, you know. Norm was playing great, which sucked for the Clippers because they, you know, they could use a guy like Norm right now. But I believe they did beat the Warriors last night. So Yeah, they did. Quick question.
1: Because um, I mentioned Dallas. But what the hell has Portland been doing?
0: Well, I mean, two of the guys on this injury report are Blazer guys. So they maybe they made the right choice. But, yeah, it's dumb. They got one first-round pick for four really good players. Um,
1: And the first-round pick. They essentially can- traded they whole starting five outside of Dame and Nurkic. Well, Simons has been killing it lately. Yeah, so, and I love that, but I'm sorry. They don't play him enough when Dame is actually there. That's the problem, and I think that's why... I, listen,
0: I'm going to say this on the record. I don't care. I think Simons is good enough to justify a Dame trade right now because you're going to need to rebuild, right? I agree. Si- Simons is really good, and he's really young. I think he just turned 22.
1: And so, AB, who has been saying get Dame out of there the last three, two, three years? I mean, it's... I agree I've been, with you I've been calling it. I've been calling it. I said they're they not doing what they need to do to take care of him. Get him out of there. Give him a chance to go win
0: somewhere. I agree. I agree. But let's um, let's go ahead and move on to a guy that used to play in Portland. Pat Connerton had a fracture in his hand. He's going to be out a, a significant amount of time. I believe they said he'll be back by the playoffs. But they did sign DeAndre Bembry today, who the Nets waived. After yeah. the Simmons trade. Um, JD, I mean, just that sucks for the Bucks, especially after trading away
1: DiVincenzo. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't. Personally, I didn't think that they should have uh, traded DiVincenzo. I get that he just came back from injury and all of that. But... I really I I really like Divincenzo for them. But he's r- I go mean ahead, sorry. Getting rid of him, let's just say get rid of him and now you lose Conner. What guy you got that can be your three and D guy like those two? George Hill also out. Who who else do y'all got? I mean, that's kinda putting more pressure on Middleton and Drew because you really don't got that many good wings.
0: Yeah, I mean it's tough. I thought they should have pursued some like they got some size at the deadline, right? Getting a backup five and a Baca, and I like that but I thought they really needed size at the wing, right? And they didn't really get that and I thought that's what propelled them over the top against Brooklyn last year is just having that P.J. Tucker guy you know And they don't have that this year. Yeah. And I think that that's going to hurt them. And unless Lopez comes back, I don't think I like their chances of getting out of the East. Now Lopez coming back is huge, but we don't know if he'll be back.
1: Yeah. When will he be back?
0: He gave an interview last week saying that his rehab was going well, but players say that all the time. Right. (laughs) I like, I don't think he'll be back on the court at minimum until the end of March, yeah. It's like what a two week ramp up period before the end of the season. I don't know. It's gonna be tough to see. I we'll talk more about Milwaukee later, but I I just am real curious to see the direction they go in right now. They just they lost to Portland last night. I mean, Giannis didn't play.
1: Yeah, but that that was oh man that oh that made me so mad.
0: <laughs> it's not good. In Milwaukee right now but still even in spite of it not being the best you know follow-up season to the championship they are currently two and a half games out of first place so (laughs) you know I don't think it much matters given how the parody in the east is last one Larry Nance knee surgery after the deadline I don't think we need to dwell on this one I just thought it was funny not funny I thought it was kind of sad that they traded for him and he immediately had surgery in New Orleans so shout out to him I hope he's okay um, JD, something I know you're very interested in: All Star replacements. We've had two in the East, one in the West. We had Lamelo Ball subbing in for KD. Deserves to. Jarrett Allen in for James Harden, and your guy, Dejounte Murray, in for Draymond Green. Yes, I think I the see. one we, the one we need to focus on here, because Jared Allen should have made the All Star game in the first place. Lamelo probably should have been an All Star, but the guards are so deep in the East that you know it's understandable. JD, your guy, DeJounte, made the all-star team. I'm so happy for him.
1: Man, words can't explain it. I'm I'm so happy for him. Like, I always said he'll be an all-star one day. And I've seen that potential many, many, many years ago. I mean, you know, I was bragging that I think if they kept uh, Kawhi, he would be perfect alongside him one day. And he could take a great deal of the defensive responsibilities. You know, I was big on the Junte and where he could become a very long time ago. So to see all that the Spurs have went through and he every year got better and better and better. It, It, I don't know, it makes me feel good knowing that he finally is being seen as more than just a San Antonio guy. This, what he's doing is bigger than just that. And I think a lot of people starting to realize that San Antonio breeds guys to be all-around players, but it don't take away their special abilities as an individual. Because Kawhi Leonard, we knew who he was in San Antonio. We didn't. People didn't think he could carry a country. Demar DeRozan, he went to San Antonio and not changed his game. He refined his game. He started playing more actual guard duties than forward duties. Now we see him and we like is this Demar DeRozan that playing for the Spurs? Like, yeah. We see it when he has to pass. We, we knew he could still score. He just became a much better passer over there. He understands the game a lot better. Now DeJounte, he's playing in a free-flowing way that we can only compare to how Pop let Ginobili play, honestly. Like DeJounte is just playing DeJounte basketball. It's still within the Spurs' way, but he's playing free-flowing basketball. I love it. He deserves it. I've been calling for it.
0: Really does. I want to shout. I had him on my all-star team as an injury replacement the first time. So you know, and we did this like a month ago. So I'm glad he made it. You know, proving me right. Um, I will say, JD, just a real like quick, quick little aside here is that if Zach can't play, there's one obvious injury replacement for him, and that's uh, that's Pascal Siakam. He has been falling out since the whole COVID outbreak thing happened, yeah. and
1: it was for me. Is it was between him and Jalen Brown? I agree, Siaka.
0: He'd like Jalen Brown's been great this year. It just goes to show how deep the East is because there's so many deserving candidates, and I think that I say there's like 20 guys, not 20, maybe like 18 guys that legitimately deserve to make the All Star game.
1: So in the East. yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I could say if it wasn't for the injuries in the West, it would be so difficult for the West. <laughs> the league is
0: so deep right now. It's absolutely crazy. Stocked with talent. Um, J.D.? Uh, the All-Star games might need to upgrade to 15. And they seriously might. Like we've been saying that for years now, but I think it's time because you could have made a case for Jaron Jackson making the All-Star game. Could Anthony Edwards probably would have made the All-Star game in it. Like, yeah a 15 man roster. So it's a lot of guys in both conferences that legit had cases that didn't get named, but let's go ahead and move on JD to the teams for the week. Our teams for this week are the suns, Pistons and heat. Um, And we're going to start with the best team in the Western conference and the best team in the NBA, the Phoenix suns, they are 46 and 10 (laughs) good for first. Like I said, the whole league, um, they haven't lost since February third. It is February fifteenth. Um, they last week they beat the Bulls one twenty seven one twenty four in a game that absolutely was not that close. Um, they beat the Sixers one fourteen to one hundred nine in a game that was that close. And then they trounced the Bucks one thirty one to one hundred seven and the Magic one thirty two to one hundred five. JD, just to start off the Suns week, what are your like just general thoughts about this team? When what's the first thing you think of when you think of
1: the Suns? um smooth sailing. I feel like they, they figured out how to how to play, how to win. And the thing I think stands out the most about them is they don't panic. It's like everybody is evil kill at all times. Like fourth quarter come, they don't change nothing about they, they game. It's like all right, it's just another play. And even though we know it'd be big plays, I think because they live in that moment of, all right, it's just another play. They don't put that extra pressure on themselves that other teams do. I mean, for crying out loud, they're they, everybody threw their ego to the side. I remember last year, we can, you can argue that Aiden was... <laughs> Beasted for his numbers last year. Not this year. It was um what game was it? Was it the game versus Philly? And B killed him. Crowder had zero points and fourteen rebounds. Now we know Aiden usually he last season, like I said, we could argue he wanted those numbers. This year it was all right if I just boss out light. Like, that game, we knew Embiid was go feast, but it seemed as if okay, if I just boss out really good right here, we got a chance to get a rebound. And Crowder was the beneficiary. Um, Cam Johnson deserves to be in a three point contest. Uh, everybody know I love Cam Johnson. Uh, I think, I think he might become a starter kind of soon. He he's that freaking good. Mikael Bridges, um, uh, what can I say? He's he's becoming a top three and D guy in the league. Uh, but he's he he got the ability to score as well. Don't get me wrong, because the game versus Atlanta, they went small and put Trey Young on him, and Mikhail Bridges dominated him, like just to show them, like I can score. I just played with them my role. And Phoenix do a great job. They just said, all right, if this is the mismatch, we attacking it until they change it up. And then when they do that, we have one of the greatest playmakers of all time to figure something out. And we got a guy in Devin Booker that he's just a pure scorer and a pure shooter. And when he's on, he's on. I, I, I don't know. I think they did a great job. I personally don't think that they my favorites to win a championship, but I definitely think that they found what works for them and they can win. I just don't know. I don't think that they will. So
0: you answered a lot of the questions I had um <laughs> in the agenda for the Suns in your answer there. I gotta say, like everything I agree with everything you said. Like here's here's an opinion I have. You know how everything last year was like, oh the Jazz are just so efficient, they're such a machine. This is what people were saying about the Jazz last year. Yeah. Like, this is actually what the Suns are, is what the people were saying about the Jazz last year. And the Suns can just get any shot they want anytime. And they're also just lethal on defense. They're in the regular season, there's no way to beat them, right? And in the playoffs, there weren't a lot of ways to beat them either. So I'm not going to act like, you know, they've, they accomplished more than the Jazz in one year. So yeah. I think that it's not a, you know, I'm kind of shitting on the Jazz, but, the you know, the Jazz deserve it. I think that the Suns, <laughs> the watch, watching them play, just the fact that they can... Chris Paul makes a lot of it work, right? Bismack yeah. Biombo came off a of scrap heap. I don't even think he played last year. And Bismack... Or, no, he was in Charlotte last year. Biz yeah, Mac he Biombo, was in
1: Charlotte, but did he play?
0: Yeah, he barely. He wasn't, like... <laughs> You know, he wasn't doing anything. Bismack Viambo came out the scrap heap and got like a, a contract for the rest of the year because of Chris Paul. Right. JaVale McGee's playing great this year because of Love Chris it. Paul. And you can add guys like that because I'm not going to say this is ego list team. Right. Obviously, guys have egos, but they, but play, they play. so much.
1: They play ego list ball.
0: That's yeah. That's a really good way to put it. And Chris Paul, you know, I think a lot of that starts with him. He's a floor general, but he makes sure, you know, everyone's involved. Mm -hmm. And like, just looking at the field goal attempts, right? Like (laughs) it's so spread out after Booker because obviously Booker is going to be taking the majority of their shots. (laughs) Booker's at 21 shots a game. Then Chris Paul's at 11.6. Aiden's at 11.1. Bridges at 9.8. Campaign at 9.8. Tory Craig, oh, Craig's been there for a game. Um, Cam Johnson, 8.9. Jay Crowder, 7.8. You know, Frank Kaminsky, when he was playing, was getting shots up. JaVale McKee's getting shots up. <laughs> Landry Shamit, who we didn't see at all this week, but he gets shots up. You know, they they spread the wealth, and not a lot of teams do that nowadays, but I, I think Bridges, to me, is, like, one of their keys for future growth because he shows Absolutely. a lot of potential to be, like, Like he's got really long arms and he has a higher release point. And I feel like they need to involve him in the mid range. Maybe not more because I think they have a good balance of it right now, but I think we'll see how he grows as a player by how much more he does that. If that makes sense, where he's getting the ball more in the mid range and he's more empowered to attack. And he's taking like, you know, 13 to 15 shots a game. I think that's the eventual goal of where you want to get Mikhail bridges to and I agree. So let's just combine this question and the first question since you talked about the young guys. I think their succession plan is going to be Cam Johnson. Um, for Jay Crowder, when yeah. Crowder, because I think when Crowder becomes a free agent, that's when Cam Johnson will need to get paid. And I think Cam Johnson is like he's a perfect you know starter in this league. You know, absolute snub from the three point contest. I didn't realize he was taking six threes a game. <laughs> He's absolutely should be in the three point contest. Yeah, he's a he was sniper. second
1: in percentage mm-hmm. when um it all came out, so I don't see how he was it. It's because he's not a big name, JD. I mean
0: he's probably he's definitely shooting better than Steph is right now. Steph is um not shooting well from three this year, but that's he's like not, by his standards. It, yeah,
1: i was about to say it's just not to Steph's numbers.
0: <laughs> but I think when Jay Crowder cause Jay Crowder is, you know, 31 if he stays with this team and, you know, I've been a big Jay Crowder guy for a long time. I think, you know, if he's selfless enough to go to the bench one day and just be like, okay, Cam, it's your time now. I think that'll be like their succession plan. And then Aiden. Yeah. He was getting cooked by Embiid. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no two ways about that, but Embiid's just on that level now where he can't be stopped one-on-one. Right. And Aiden was getting a lot of credit for that Denver series last year. He wasn't stopped. Like he was helping make Jokic shoot bad on jump shots, but Jokic was still getting to the rim a lot, <laughs> right? So it's not like he's going to stop either of those two guys, but he just needs to put in like you know a hard effort. He needs to try to contain them. And I think JD, I think that Aton is going to be one of the keys of the West playoffs this year because the the Nuggets probably aren't going to be a factor, right? I don't think Jamal Murray will come back with enough time to make
1: a difference for the Nuggets. <laughs> I think that the last not unless he come back and it's like they just been holding him out for the last two months of the season just for conditioning, but he already been working.
0: Right. But you know, JD, like game conditioning is a lot different than practice conditioning. You know, absolutely, you need time, time to reacclimate yourself to the games. At least so, two months. Yeah. So and we've got less than, I think, less than two months till the season ends. So that'll be interesting to watch. But I don't think they'll be a, like a serious contender this year. Then you have, so the, the top teams in the West right now, the Jazz, who none of us take seriously, aren't particular. They're big, but they're not big on the wings. I think Memphis beat them this year. You think Memphis beats the, the Suns in the playoffs? Uh, Utah. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's not even a discussion. But I'm saying, like, my point is is that the West is kind of small, right? Outside of AD and Jokic. But those two guys, none of us take seriously. Like, none of, the, none of us take their playoff team seriously. So I think Aiden's going to punish a lot of smaller teams, and he'll look like he did in last year's playoffs. Is, is that making sense? Like, am I crazy here?
1: <laughs> nah, I get what you're saying. And my thing is, a lot of those teams would just hurt, though. Like, I don't think Aiden kills The clip was the same way. If Serge was healthy, personally, I don't think he does as much versus um Denver if they if they uh if Denver was healthy. Hell, with the Lakers, the game Ad was healthy. Aiden, I don't recall saying his name much, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's all to see.
0: There's a chance that it's Lakers Suns again in the playoffs if the Lakers, you know, win the play-in.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like to see what he does versus Utah this year. Not saying they can't beat Utah. I just rather see him versus another big man because last year I feel like they went against so many hurt teams. Just go, go beat up on the Gobert. Everybody, know I don't like Gobert. Go, 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 have fun with him. <laughs>
0: So my question is, JD, you're James Jones, right? Robert Sarver says you have a blank check checkbook, sign DeAndre Aiden to whatever contract you want, right? Let's say his max is 30 million a year. Are you signing DeAndre Aiden to his max contract or are you trying to get a little bit less for DeAndre Aiden?
1: I'm not signing him to that. Why think, not? I think a lot of his success comes off of Chris Paul. And and Book, I mean, I think he he's a double-double machine. Don't get me wrong, but I think he had his best because of them. Which, some big man, you can't say, yeah, they thrive off of who they next So I mean, Amari Stoudemire, for crying out loud. Uh, but I don't think that Aiden... I wouldn't pay him $30 million a year. It's a tough comp- So his...
0: His per year average on what his max extension would be would be 34 and a half million a year. So you, no. wouldn't, even pay, you wouldn't even pay him, thir- would you? 25 a year, basically what Jaron Jackson is getting.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe 27, 28, because Jaron Jackson ain't giving you a double double every night. So I, I'll bump him up 20, about 28 a year.
0: I, that's the question of the Suns offseason is the DeAndre Ayton question. And I saw a report from uh, Jake Fisher at Bleacher Report. And he, you know, is a very good reporter. He was saying that they might be interested, like the S- Suns would have maybe been interested in trading for Sabonis, Ayton for Sabonis in the offseason. Yeah, i seen. And that, I don't think I would have liked that for the Suns <laughs> because I like Sabonis, But I feel like Ayton to me... Has a higher defensive ceiling. And that's what this team needs while they're trying to compete for championships. And Sabonis isn't a bad defender, right? In the same way, Jokic isn't a bad defender, but he's very limited. He's yeah. not, you know, <laughs> he's not anyone's idea of Dikembe Matumbo, right? Yeah. So I would be curious to see what happens in the offseason with Aiden. I think this playoffs is going to be defining for him, right? Because yeah. last year was really like way above expectations for Aiton, but you're right, they played a b- against a bunch of small teams. I will say, against the Bucks, playing 45 minutes a game, I thought he did great. Right,
1: you and did. And that's in that series, I thought he did the best that he could. Giannis just cooked him. Right, he did the best he could. I'm not gonna say yeah. he did great. I think, I think the best that he could kind of showed that he got a lot more growing to do, which every player does, but on the grandest stage of them all you do you don't allow somebody to do you like that
0: yeah but he's only 22 in his 30 year you know I I think this last offseason or last postseason was really good for all of them right yeah so, absolutely look at how they play mm-hmm yeah I think that's not a coincidence right it's kind of like the 2014 Spurs where they came out gangbusters after losing to the Heat and I I think that 2013 Spurs team was a lot more talented but this Suns team is kind of the same motivation. Like, okay, we got our ass kicked in the finals last year. Let's go ahead and, you know, do the ass kicking this year. And I think that I want to see how Aiden's grown in the playoffs. Right. I think that there's, you know, room for him to like straight up dominate games. He's that talented. The question is, will he do it? And I think it's fair. If your answer is no, he won't because we haven't really seen him dominate. Right. Like, we've seen a lot of guys dominate a series right like we've seen Capella dominate the Jazz before right we've seen we've seen them dominate Carl Anthony Towns we've seen Bam Clint Capella with James Harden was really an unstoppable duo (laughs) like they were so good together and I I don't miss it because I don't I didn't like watching those Rockets teams I told myself I did but I was lying to myself um I really enjoyed watching you know BAM dominated the 2020 playoffs, right? Yeah. AD dominated. Mostly
1: Boston. Mm-hmm.
0: AD totally wrecked the Trailblazers, right? Jokic yeah. has dominated a bunch of series. Aiden, I would say the only series he quote-unquote dominated was the Clippers series, and they played small ball like 100% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not really a Zubat fair comparison. didn't even start. Zubac was getting ran off the court in his
1: minutes, and the big adjustment for them was just not starting Zubac. Yeah, and, and honestly, I think Serge would have been the counter but if, I, if he was healthy. I think Serge would have been a a big part if he was healthy. It's
0: a fair counter. I I want to see what happens in this year's playoffs, though, is all I'll say. And we're yeah. really close to the playoffs. We're only we're at the all-star break. That means we're only like a a couple months away from the playoffs. I'm really excited to see <laughs> what goes down in the playoffs. Um any like extra Devin Booker thoughts, JD, because the man's unstoppable and I feel like we should just devote a little bit of time talking about how like how much he's grown in his career. Like he's always been really good, but I feel like it's just gotten better
1: since Chris Paul's gotten there. Yeah. The game the game's slowing down and he I think he understands how to read defenses even more. I think the mentorship of Chris Paul has taught Devin Booker that he going to get his regardless. He don't have to go out there and – you know how we say and and when it comes to the best players, they make something happen. I don't think he – right now, I don't think he's making anything happen. I think he's literally just taking what's given. And, and he's bending it to his knees, and then saying, "Now I'm gonna make something happen because now I can do whatever I want." I think initially just going out there saying, "Okay, if this is how you gonna defend me, I'ma take it." And once it worked for him, I think teams is now like, "All right, we gotta try to stop him from doing this." And it's like, "All right, now Devin Booker gets to choose what he wanna kill you at." Same way with Chris Paul.
0: I think that's a like, I just, I want to see him dominate the playoffs again because he did it last year, right? And I don't know if he caught teams off guard. That game six against the Lakers was one of the more impressive performances I think I've seen from a young guy who in his first playoffs. And I want to see him, JD, like, I think you're right. The Chris Paul effect has really gotten on him and he's the game is slowing down. You know, it's, we're seeing that with a lot of the young guys from that 2013 to 16 range, although 2013 draft class is all 28. So I don't know if I'd call them young, but like Zach Levine, right. The game's slowing down for him, you know, Booker, right. Um, Jason Tatum game slowing down for him. So we're seeing like a lot of these younger guys, Donovan Mitchell, like, I don't think the game slowed down for him yet. And I think that's the difference, right?
1: I think at at times it do, but if you pay attention to the way he plays, it's like force feed.
0: I mean, you could tell if the game slowed down for a guy or not by how much he passes, right? I think that's a good indicator of it. And Booker's only averaging 4.4 assists this year. But given that he has Chris Paul and his team, I think that's actually kind of a lot <laughs> just yeah. it, in general, just because, you know, Chris Paul dominates the ball so much and the Suns do a really good job of moving the ball. Right. Like one of my favorite things about them is watching a pick and roll. Somebody inevitably comes to help on a pick and roll and the ball swings around, you know, and eventually finds its way to the open man. This team, Like this team passes the ball so well. And I think yeah. it's good that their best player in spite of, you know, like the selfish reputation that he had before, and I put selfish in air quotes there because that's a bunch of bull. Yeah. Like the ball moves and the ball has an energy to it. And I feel like this team has a good balance of dribbling or of like dribble penetration and passing. I really feel like they've got that like right mix. And I feel like Miami has it too. Another team that we're going to talk about today. So I, I, JD, I just feel like ball movement combined with dribble penetration, I feel like that's a really foolproof way to win basketball games. Absolutely. Especially when you kick a banner with actual good shooting. Right. (laughs) Like, Cam Johnson shooting 43%. Um, Jay Crowder's shooting has fallen off, or not fallen off a cliff, because I don't think he shot well in the regular season last year either from three. No, he shot 39%. But Jay Crowder is back to where he usually is, but he's still, like, He's still a capable shooter, right? He's going to shoot it when he's open. He's going to pass it when he's not like that's. And somehow, some way he's always good for getting fouled, you know, on a three point attempt once every two weeks. I don't like, I don't know how it happens, but hey, you know, in a five game stretch, he's going to get fouled on a three, like probably once or twice. <laughs> so Jay. Like, I've always loved his game. Like he's always been, you know, same. a good ball mover. He's always been, a, he's always been a really good teammate. Like, you know, on the court, I can't speak about it off the court, obviously, but just,
1: he does a lot of with Miami. Yeah. He was I don't, really good. Okay. What he does for Phoenix. I love almost on Miami.
0: It's not a coincidence to me though, JD, that he goes from one place to the other and has the same amount of, of success. It's, it's not a coincidence. Like he was really good in Miami. And then he's really instrumental to them getting to the finals. And then he's really instrumental in Phoenix getting to the finals. Hopefully he wins one, you know, that, that would be nice. But, um, I think my last Phoenix question, JD, since you already kind of, well, okay. Mm -hmm. Two more questions. This one, we don't have to spend too long on. Do you think Chris Paul's body can sustain another long finals run? Because we've seen him break down in a lot of playoffs. We saw him break down in 2018. He didn't have a chance to break down in 2020. Um, 2019, if I remember, wasn't exactly the healthiest year for him either. So, and he had a lot of injuries in last year's playoffs that so he got yeah, through, year. but I I just don't think that there's a way that he stays healthy through the whole playoff run. I don't.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like, it just be weird, freakish accidents every time where it's like, could that been avoided? What really caused it? We really don't know. So I I I don't know especially with how his hamstring just come out of nowhere every couple of years. Last year was it wasn't one day, this year I'm looking for it. Yeah. And
0: we like I've seen, you know, Chris Paul get picked on his dribble a lot more than I used to, right? And that Sixers game when Embiid showed on that pick and roll in the final like oh, minute. Man. And we like how often do you Phoenix see?
1: Should have won that game. I mean, Philly should have won that game. Yeah, that they kind of blew it. <laughs> it's from, it's Doc Rivers, <laughs> man. Like he went from being one of the best coaches to one of the worst, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's because he's you know he's been coaching for twenty years and he hasn't had to absorb any new ideas.
1: <laughs> You know. <laughs> like, geez, I I I hate his coaching. They like, really should have won that game. They were up 12. <laughs> as soon as you see your team take four threes without making any passes, you call timeout. Phoenix don't should not get the chance to cut it within two points. And then you sit and be to the five minute mark every fourth quarter, no matter who you're going against. Teams are running y'all down. They take the lead. Then you put them in, and y'all down sister eight points every time. As great as Embiid is, his best help for this season has been Tobias Harris. I'm not trusting it. Tobias went off in that game, too. Tobias was great that game in the first half. <laughs> Yeah, he Tobias was killed it. It was great in the first half. I think you had like twenty three. He had
0: seventeen in the first half, thirteen in the second half. He missed four shots all game.
1: Yeah. Well, seventeen um first half. That was great. Second half, take more shots. Especially when the beat is not on the floor. Instead, I don't know what the hell Doc had going on. It wasn't that wasn't the best game from our friend Doc Rivers. I Oh, he's a choke artist. <laughs> <laughs> we blame his, we uh you know I realize we blame his players, but he's supposed to lead the ship. It's always Doc Rivers' fault. And now you combine Doc Rivers with Embiid and James Harden, and we know James Harden record in the playoffs and what he tends to do, and we know what Embiid tends to do whether one day he planned one day he not. You got to start to question him. How the hell are they going to make it out the first round with these guys?
0: Incredible. Um, in the interest of time, J.D., we need to move on, but I love your Sixers rant. Um, are, you kind of hinted at this earlier. This isn't about favorites for a championship, but do you think the Suns could talk themselves into being the favorites out West?
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> no, because we can say whatever we want about Steph's shooting right now, but we got to acknowledge the fact that Golden State is right now. The only problem is Iggy and Wiseman being hurt and Draymond and yeah, and Draymond, but. I'm saying Iggy and Wasman because we know Draymond coming back. We don't know when Iggy will be back. We don't know when Wiseman will come back because they haven't said much about them. But we knew Draymond had three to four weeks, you know. So we know he's coming back. And we know that they said Wasman and Iggy coming back this season. So if those are the biggest problems right now, I'm willing to live with that. Uh, you can't convince me they lose seven-game series with – Every game you seeing somebody new develop into just, oh my gosh, this guy could be a core piece. You know, like we knew Steffi Clay was gonna be Stephanie Clay and Clay is obviously rounding back in the form and he's moving a lot better defensively again. Um uh, He's not that defender yet, but he's moving a lot better. Otto Porter has been a call to the machine Well, where wherever you place him at to do, Otto Porter has been doing it very well. Jordan Poole is Jordan Poole. Don't got to get much into him. Andrew Wiggins, since being named the All-Star, has looked much better and better. And then, oh, the hell, Jonathan Kaminga is knocking down threes. We knew he was an athletic machine, But now he's knocking down threes back to back. I'm sorry. I got to take going to state.
0: I just think the Suns and the Grizzlies, right? It's funny that the Bucs, like the size of the Bucs and the Sixers is kind of like what's looming over the NBA. But the Suns and the Grizzlies both beat the perfect teams in my eyes to beat the Warriors in that they're long as hell. They're very athletic. And those are the teams that always gave the Warriors the most trouble. Right. We saw that. I mean, say what you will about, you know, that Houston series, the Houston Rockets had length that year. Right. That was the biggest reason other than, you know, Chris Paul and Harden that the Warriors struggled against the Rockets in 2018 is because they were long as hell. Right. They Switched everything. They switched everything. The Cavs, right? What did they do? They switched everything. Who's yeah. the Cavs coach? Ty Lue, who has a bunch of switchy wings. The Clippers, yeah. right? It's funny that all these teams are built to be the Warriors. Yeah. Memphis. And that's why, I, that's why yeah. I like the books so much is because none of these teams are built to stop Giannis. And to be fair, Giannis is unstoppable. But we've seen the Warrior stopping formula. And that, to me, J.D., is why I'm really a fan of how the Suns built their team is because... Yeah. Like they're going to have problems. They're probably going to have problems with healthy Murray and Jokic, right? We haven't seen them play healthy Murray and Jokic yet. Yeah. We haven't seen them play a healthy Kawhi and PG. And that's probably, we both agree, that's the best team in the conference. But it's looking less and less likely that Paul George is coming back this year.
1: So I think, I think think it's a chance that he can. But I think the Clippers playing it very safe because with this free agency coming up they don't want to bring back Kawhi and PG early and they don't do nothing they want to keep keep it to where they can try to bring back this same team that they got now and just say, look, we bring it back Kawhi and Paul George. Give it one more one more year, Covington, give it one more year, Batum. You know, because yeah. those two would be huge to the formula. So I definitely get uh, where you're coming from. I think it's a slight chance, but I think there is a chance. But I do believe, deep down, Memphis can be a monkey wrench in anybody's game.
0: Oh, I think Memphis called State Right now, Memphis is winning that series. Draymond back. I'm just saying, without Draymond, oh, without Draymond, Memphis win. Memphis is winning that series with Draymond. I mean, JD, we saw them last year against a healthy, like, obviously, no clay,
1: no clay, no ass,
0: man. I think Wiseman is a wash for me. Like, Wiseman to me is a guy that he's not healthy, right? And until he's healthy, I'm not treating him like a basketball player because he hasn't played since last year. And it's tough. Like he was really raw, right? He played like two games in college <laughs> yeah, and jumped right in the NBA and struggled. And is it fair? Probably not. But I don't trust Wiseman as much as I trust Kuminga right now, right? And okay. the Grizzlies to me, I think we we'll, we should save this maybe for when we talk about the Warriors on our um, week off, if you will, if that makes sense. I think oh. we should save that this conversation for next week. But I think there's okay. a lot of meat on this bone. So what you're saying is, is it a three-team race right now in your eyes between... In a West, we're, yeah. We're taking out the Clippers for, for now. Until they're guys, we know their status for sure. Are you comfortable saying it's a three-team race between the Grizzlies, Warriors, and Suns?
1: Absolutely. I don't think of any other team. It's not Dallas. Oh, jeez. No. That's a one-man machine that got worse. Yeah, I agree. Um, And without Murray and Michael Porter Jr., I can't throw Denver in there. But I would love, uh, and I mean this, because Michael Porter Jr looked good to me earlier this season. I would love to see him have a healthy season alongside um uh, and Jokic and I would just I think he averages 20. I really think he can average 20 easy. There's a the reason why Michael Porter
0: Jr fell to where he fell in the draft though. The that's cuz that's cuz his bones are his bones are made of glass. That whole family can't stay healthy. Like, you know, it sucks. I mean, but it is what it is. JD, I think we spent far too long on the suns and around the West. Let's go to a team that we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on. Oh yeah. In the Detroit Pistons, they're 12 and 45, the worst team in the league. Um, they are currently on an eight-game losing streak <laughs> their last week. They played the Minnesota Timberwolves and lost 118 to 105 last Sunday, lost to the Mavericks what in 16 to 86 on Tuesday, lost to the, the Memphis Grizzlies 132 to 107, lost to the Hornets 141 to one nineteen. lost to the Wizards, 103-94. Um, do you have a lot of thoughts on the Pistons, JD? Because I got thoughts, but I feel like we can kind of speed through the Pistons a little bit.
1: Mm, I love Kate Cunningham. Uh, Jeremy Grant should be traded and I'm done.
0: Okay. I have more thoughts than that and I want to dive deeper into Kate. <laughs> but so that answers my question. You're surprised Jeremy Grant is still a Piston. Yes, I am too. We don't need to dwell on that because I feel like Caleb and I did last Thursday Cade Cunningham, he's a real fascinating prospect to me. And I know I drooled all over Mobley last week. That being said, Cade, to me, is just a monster. 16 points a game, you know, five rebounds, five assists. The numbers aren't looking... The shooting numbers aren't looking pretty. But here's here's a comparison I have for Cade Cunningham. I think you'll appreciate this just watching him play. He kind of has a Kyle Lowry effect to his game where he just kind of... like impacts everything on every possession, you know. He doesn't hold the ball for too long. He kicks it ahead if he, and he kicks it ahead if he sees an advantage in transition. He is not not afraid to take clutch shots, but isn't like always gutting to take every single shot. Yeah, am I am I crazy for making that comparison, JD? I get where you're coming from with
1: it. He just much bigger.
0: He is nice. bigger, but I I think in general, what I'm trying to say is like he's not like overly selfish and he's looking to make a winning play every single time down the floor.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: And I, I want to say like watching him on defense, <laughs> this rookie class has had a lot of really good defenders between Mobley, between Io, between Herb Jones, Cade Cunningham. Like you could make a legit like all rookie defensive team and be like a, one of the top defenses in the league, JD. And I, what what do you see as, like, room for growth for Cade in the future? Um, consistency shooter. I mean, right now, 32% from three on six attempts a game. He's, you know, a really good, like, he's a good shooter, right? We saw that at Oklahoma State. I think he shot 40% from three last year, but he needs to be better at that. I'd like to see him get to the mid-range more. Um, yeah, that's... You know, again, not trying to spend too long on the Pistons here, but have you liked anything you've seen from the 2020 draft guys in Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, and
1: Isaiah Stewart? Um Sadiq Bay, yeah. Sadiq thinks like, killing it. I feel like he showed he could be a real scorer. He's a nice shooter. Killian Hayes is up and down. Um, Isaiah Stewart is more famous for trying to fight LeBron than anything he's done on the court. And, I mean, he's just an energy guy. So, I can – I don't know. I think he can end up doing a lot with that. I mean – We've seen energy guys become all stars. we be, we seen energy guys become double, double machines. And at the very least, if you were energy guy in today's league, I, I would want a Kenneth Fareed type guy.
0: Yeah. I, I actually, that's I don't a don't really good that's comparison. That's he,
1: what, what he's going after right now. He's not he's not affecting the game as much like that. So I feel he got room to grow. But
0: It's hard for a 20-year-old to affect the game,
1: though, J.D. I think that's probably where my counter would be. Like, yeah, but the whole team is young outside of Jeremy Grant. And he's he's young for NBA years.
0: That's true. I mean, this is my thing with Isaiah Stewart, right? He's you know, the like energy guys, a really good way to put it, but he like, there is room in the NBA for a guy who just puts his head down, gets rebounds, you know, is in the right spot on defense. Now, is he in the right spot on defense all the time? No, he's 20. And we see how long it takes for deep for big men to figure out defense in this league. But I think he has a lot. His, his head is screwed on, right? You know, he gets after the boards and I, I'm really curious to see, you know, where he is in two years, like after more NBA seasoning, you know, is he still a starter? I would doubt he's a long-term starter in the NBA. I think you would probably agree with me on that, but like, kind of like his teammate last year, right? Like Mason Plumlee. I think he'll be in that range where he's too good to be a bench player, but not good enough to be a starter. So he's kind of just like, in and
1: out the uh, lineup.
0: Yeah. Kind of something like that. And he to me is like I I really want to see him grow, but at the same time, is there even any room for him to grow? He was shooting threes last year, and he is not shooting them at all this year. Um, so that's something. Sadiq Bey, <laughs> this dude. Is on fire. His last like thirty five games. I think he's shooting thirty seven percent from three on eight attempts a game. he, yeah, he is, really,
1: he really can shoot. I like, I like that he's not afraid to shoot it either. Is he
0: a, okay? Here is a question for you about Sadiq Bay. Is he a guy you keep around, Cade, or is he a guy you trade to try to get like more draft capital and try to be like, okay, Sadiq, here is what you, we know what you can do. Now go do this on a contender.
1: Um, I keep him right now because right now. We know when uh are ready to do anything, honestly, so i keep him. And
0: I would say I would keep him, too. Last night against Washington, I was, you know, watching that game because Cade hasn't played a whole lot this week, and it was Marvin Bagley's first game, so I'm like, okay, might as well watch this. Sadiq was doing some stuff off the dribble that wasn't in his profile coming out of Villanova. Absolutely agree. And you know, we're seeing a lot of these Villanova guys, right? Like Mikhail Bridges, Villanova guy. And Sadiq is the next in a long line of them. And I think if he develops a real off-the-dribble game, there's something there for him as a player in this league. Um, Killian Hayes, since he started going to the bench, <laughs> he's actually being more aggressive. He wasn't being aggressive in the starting lineup, right? And I don't think he wanted to step on Cade's toes. But since he went to the bench he's actually shooting the ball and he's not making a whole lot of them, right? He's still not very good at putting the ball in the basket. But if he's so young and so raw, I think you just want to see a guy like him be aggressive, right? Like, I think that's all. You just want a young
1: guy with a good body, right? Like, he's 6'5 and probably got 200 pounds. I think he grows into being, that's why I said, just consistency shooting the ball because sometimes we see him score, and It's like, he should be able to do this every night. Then it's other times it seems as if it's forced a little bit. But that's also because the game is a very fast to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's 20 years old, you know, and he's not turning 21 until the summer. So he's going to be, you know, probably a little behind where his peers were. I think there's this misconception that guys who play in like Europe or Australia, you know, have an advantage because they're playing at... A pro level from such a young age, but I don't think that's the case with Killian, you know, especially playing in these lower level, like Luca had an advantage, right. Or he was playing against grown men. Yeah. Like uh, the best of the best in Europe at age 15. Yeah. Right. I don't know where Killian played. I'm guessing that's not what he was doing. And so he's probably a little behind compared to his peers, but there's something there. There's obviously talent. And I, I want to see how that grows. Um, <laughs> The Pistons, JD, as I'm sure you saw, made a splash in the trade market last week. They were involved in the Serge Ibaka trade. They got Marvin Bagley from the Kings. Yeah.
1: How do you like them taking a shot on a guy like Bagley? I think he deserves an opportunity. I don't think he really had a fair one, so I like it. I'm all for it. I liked. What did you like about his game in Sacramento before
0: him coming? Like before the wheels fell off there.
1: Didn't see much of it. Who was watching Sacramento? <laughs> that's a fair. I was watching Sacramento, but that's a fair. Out, outside of when they play any of my teams, I didn't watch them. I love De'Aaron Fox. Now, I, I would go back and watch their games, but Marvin Bagley really wasn't in the game. So it was like it wasn't really much to really dissect from. it. Mean, I always felt that. He could shoot, but shot it a little too much. Um, I think he had a lot more work to do defensively. Um, I think he could have been a solid rebounder, but it's kind of hard to say how good he can be as a rebounder when he's not getting much time on the floor. So I think he used to exert too much energy trying to just score the ball. Well, I'll say his rookie year.
0: I think a lot of people forget about this since, you know, Trey's made a fantastic leap since Lucas made a fantastic leap SGA. You know, he's a lot behind a lot of the guys in his rookie class, but his rookie year, he was averaging 15, seven and a half rebounds a game,
1: right? That's a solid rookie season.
0: Yeah. And he, you know, was really contributing that Sacramento team that almost made the playoffs. If you remember. Yeah. And, they were really like, he was really good that year. And then they fired Yeager. They replaced him with Walton and it kind of fell off the wheels for him. And I really want to see him, you know, on a competent team with a competent coach. And I, he looked really good last night, right? Like they gave him the ball in mismatches. Like he's going to feast on that second unit because shout out to Frank Jackson and shout out to Killian Hayes. Neither of them can throw a rock in the ocean right now. <laughs> so I think he's going to anchor their bench unit and he's going to be the kind of guy who gets a lot of touches. And it's going to be really good for them to have a guy like Bagley. Right. Agreed. Cause they, cause JD, you remember after the 2020 season when Blake was hurt, Andre Drummond, they just traded Andre Drummond for like a bag of chips. They were like the least talented. The Pistons were the least talented team in the league. Yeah. I don't know what the hell they hit. They had Sekou Demboya was their most intriguing prospect. and we saw canard got traded to los angeles we saw i i think that now with bagley right they have a guy who's like a blue chip prospect and yeah he hasn't really worked out for the kings but it's the kings you know if you hit on a guy like this i think they're in a really good spot for the future you know, have they have a ton of talent now between yeah. Bay Bagley and and Cunningham, like they okay. have a really talented young trio. And I'm really excited. Like, I don't think they suck, right? I think they're bad. But if you put them up against like the Process Sixers or last year's Rockets or Thunder, I think they're just like playing bad and they're just playing in a really good conference. So I think in a couple of years, we might see the Pistons, you know, knocking on the door for the play-in and be like, whoa, where did this come from? They sucked
1: just a couple of years ago. I don't think they suck. They just got to build around those three and learn how to play them. I think Dwayne Casey, the man for the job. I think so too. I think you got a raw deal in
0: Toronto. I think they probably win with Dwayne Casey because they were doing the same stuff Nick Nurse was doing. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. his fault. It was just they were in the same conference as LeBron and now LeBron was gone and they win a championship. I don't know. I think Dwayne got a raw deal. I think Jonas Valanciunas should have gotten a ring.
1: Um, yeah, I think they did uh, offer uh, everybody they traded away a ring. He
0: should have got one. That's all. That's all I know, but JD, are you ready to move on to the point to team with the point guard of the 2019 NBA champions?
1: Oh, please do.
0: Okay, shout out to the Pistons um, and shout out Dylan Hughes, his favorite player and his least favorite player are on the same team now. Marvin Bagley is his least favorite player. Hamadou Diallo is his favorite. And so shout out to him for having his two favorite, like... <laughs> Players on the opposite ends of the spectrum on the same team. Let's go ahead and move to the best team in the East in the Miami Heat 37 and 20. Obviously, again, like I said, first, they're currently on a five game winning streak. there last week, they beat the Wizards 121 to 100, beat the Pelicans 112 to 97, and then beat the Nets 115 to 111. They're playing the Mavericks tonight and they're playing the Hornets before the All Star break. I probably should have done that for the other two teams, but so fuck it. We're already too, too long into this. Um, J.D., just like off the rip, what are your general thoughts about the Heat?
1: Designed Desi- to win. Like, I instantly think that they got – they check off every box that you that a championship team needs. They have their clutch guy in Jimmy, and we know he's one of the best in the league. They have championship DNA, Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker – They have a defensive unit that they can play throughout the entire game. They have shooters. And not just some shooters. They have legit shooters. I mean, Tucker, (laughs) freaking phenomenal this year. We know Tyler Hero can fill it up. Duncan Robson having a bad year. And, I mean, it's Duncan Robson. Do we not trust him shooting? Matt Struess. Gabe Vincent, they have legit shooters over there, and I mean, Lowry can shoot the ball. Um, yeah, th- that's a team over there, I think. And I didn't even mention Mr. Do It All and Bam Adebayo. They, they, they big three and Bam, Jimmy, and Lowry, literally. They fill up everything that you want. They, they, those three are stat stuffers regardless. And then you lend, like, Tyler Hero gets to be Tyler Hero. He don't have to come out here, try to, like, the. you could tell the game is slowing down for him at that because he's actually become a much better passer. He's making the right plays. And he still can fill it up and give you 20 a night. I th- I think they I think they only go get better the healthier they, they become. I mean, we don't know what Victor Depot is coming back, but at the same time, if Vic is 40% of who he used to be, that's gonna be great for that team. Cause we know Vic was a guy that was a grid and grind type of guy. Marquise Morris, we haven't seen him since the Jokic accident. But Morris is another guy that He just fits with what they do. Dwayne Detman, he fits what they do. Now, I know Caleb didn't like that they got rid of Precious Achua, but I ain't going to lie. I like Precious on a younger Toronto team, grinding with them, and I like Detman over there for Miami right now because he has been a very good thing for them. Yeah, um, I, I love
0: Miami. <laughs> Caleb also didn't like the Duncan Robinson contract. He actually hates it. Um, he's not a he's not a fan of our guy, Duncan. Let's just say that. Listen, everything you said is right. I mean, this team, they and the Suns actually play really similar to me. And it's they play similar, but they play different at the same time, right? Like you can't have a team with Jimmy Butler as your best player play the same as a team with Devin Booker as your best player, right? but they both have that old point guard who's just really good at setting his guys up right in Lowry and Chris Paul and Lowry Lowry won them the game against the Nets because he baited Cam Thomas
1: oh man <laughs>
0: so bad like that, that was the
1: last so... <laughs> play that last play was so freaking huge
0: and it's just like it's a typical Kyle Lowry thing where he just is like okay you know go ahead and toss it to Kyrie oh wait oops i'm going to steal the ball from you And it's such a rookie mistake from Cam Thomas, but it's just such a Kyle Lowry thing to do for the young guy. And I love it because obviously, you know, I'm a huge Kyle Lowry fan. I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan. I'm a huge Bam Adebayo fan. Like if there was a team that was made in a lab for me to enjoy watching, it'd be this Miami Heat team because they play, it's aesthetically pleasing for me on both sides of the ball, right? Like Bam is just an electric defender and Jimmy obviously is Jimmy. (laughs) You know, they're yeah. just, they're so capable on both ends and like until the Brooke Lopez situation is resolved, they're the favorites in the East for me. And I know you probably would favor them even without the Brooke Lopez situation. I think Brooke Lopez was huge against Bam last year. I think that like, that was part of the reason he struggled against them. But J.D., like I think that the heat right now are just playing. Like, I know that the bulls are only a half game back, but they have, according to in the glass right now, they have the fourth best point differential in the league, fifth best defense, seventh best offense. That's a title winning formula right there. And I feel like the heat should be on the title. Like we should take them seriously. Absolutely. Like top two contenders in the East. I think that's, everyone should be thinking that. And a lot of people will probably think they're the favorites right now.
1: I agree. I agree. I I want I want to say that I believe that they beat every team in the east. I I, I really believe that um I mean the only team that will have a chance at beating them Milwaukee, and I don't think Milwaukee can because of the P.J. loss, then a loss of the wings. Middleton, Middleton, Giannis, Drew would probably play 45 minutes a game, and they would have to. Miami doesn't have to make those their guys play those minutes because they can actually afford to get them a five-minute break and they be fam and the, the craziest part is we know Jimmy is an Iron Man. He could play the full 48. We know Bam can, PJ can, Lowry can, but they don't have to, which benefits them even more. Giannis' biggest thing has always been he didn't have the lungs. I always said he didn't have the lungs. Last playoffs, we can actually say when he played those minutes. He did a great job, but he still had to take longer breaks than other team superstars had to. We seen we seen heavy minutes of just Drew and Middleton for a long period of time. I remember one of the games versus um versus Phoenix. Phoenix made the run, and I think the sister seven minutes they took out Giannis. And they had went up and it was like, okay, uh, when is he coming back? And they set them for the rest of that quarter. And I'm like, okay, they go going to try to make a run in the fourth. You can't really do that versus that Miami team. Because Phoenix also had a lack of depth for that series. They do that versus Phoenix this year, it's not working. It wouldn't work. But with this Miami team, you definitely can't do that because they, they got two, three guys for every position who are battle-tested guys. The all, the the only people that's not battle-tested is Struis and Gabe Vincent. Everybody else has been to the finals for the most part. Like, outside and Dwayne Detman, who has been in the trenches of the playoffs with the Spurs. And other teams, um, Atlanta. So, I mean, it, it's one of those things. I think, yeah, they they the favorite. It's going to be tough for them to get. I would off. like for my Bulls to be a, a tough matchup for them. But I think in a seven-game series, I got to ride with Miami.
0: It's tough for me with
1: the Bulls. And I think we'll talk more about them next
0: week, but I just can't take them seriously until we know their health yeah, situations. Right. Absolutely. Like I, I think that's the way to go about it. And Miami's the healthiest team right now, which is crazy because they still miss it, People they're, Well, they're still missing people and it feels like their whole, they've barely had their whole team together. We actually got them at the perfect time because they're finally, you know, back to full strength. <laughs> And not even full strength, right? Like right now, Tyler Hero didn't play the last couple of games. Jimmy Butler's questionable for tonight. Caleb Martin's questionable for tonight. Marquise Morris and Vic, like you said, are out. So, yeah. I mean, they're still missing a lot of their key pieces, but they have the best starting five in the East right now. And with Lowry, with Duncan Robinson, with Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, and Bam Adebayo. And I feel like that five, like, can, can we talk about Duncan Robinson for a second? I know that's not an aspect. A lot of heat, like people talking about the heater talking about right now, but he's gotten a lot better. It's just season like, going now? he's, he can actually drive to the basket and he's not yeah. shooting it, but the way he's getting those cuts off, or the way he's finding bam out of bio off of, you know, the, the traps, right. Or the way he's, you know, dribbling the ball to the basket after, you know, the teams because the teams found out the handoff last year, right? Like that was their pet play. And they ran that handoff for Duncan all the time with Bam. But I love that they found a way to counteract that by, you know, either having Duncan drive and kick or having Bam, you know, roll while Duncan's being trapped. I feel like, like I feel like that's not being discussed enough. Like, yeah, Duncan's shooting is down a lot, but his shooting is back up to 36% from three and it feels like he started he's, off at what, 29, something like that. It was he's, terrible. He's shooting 38% for his last, you know, few games. And, and I say few, like it's multiple, like it's at least 30. And
1: J.D., it just feels like he's a better basketball player. I, I, I couldn't agree with that. Blake. I think I think that um, a huge part is that he has been making that pass off of the screen that's leading to Bam either getting a free lane or you help off of him. Jimmy is on the backside cutting and either you picking up on Jimmy or leaving a shooter, which is a big reason why P.J. Tucker is wide open 90 percent of the time. And even P.J. Tucker. That guy been down low, going up for dunks. I seen him dunk the other night. I was like, "Oh my gosh!"
0: But he's taking a lot of
1: floaters. Yeah, I think I think PJ Tucker game even opening up. Let's see, I'm a-, a, a guy that's been around for that long, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, he's thirty six years old. He's gonna turn thirty seven this year. So let's see shooting frequency. My favorite shot at cleaning the glass. So <laughs> last year, so this year. Last year, 67% of his shots in Milwaukee were in the corner, right? 72% mm-hmm. of all his shots were from three. This year, that number is down to six, 42% of his shots from the corner and 47% from all three. And his mid-range attempts jumped from eleven from 13% in 2019-20, 13, 11% in Milwaukee and Houston last year, to 30% this year. <laughs> he's shooting 27% of his shots from as floaters compared to 11% in Milwaukee. <laughs> it's like, that's hilarious. And he just is getting up a lot more shots in general. And he's being used more, but that's that thing about ball movement, right? Like he's a ball mover and as well as a shooter. He's the ball doesn't stop when it gets to him. He's going to kick it to the open guy. Yeah. And so, it's weird, but that's why Spo Spoh and Ty Lue, two best coaches in the game, and that's one of the reasons why Spo's one of the best is that he just finds creative ways to use a guy like P.J. Tucker who probably never thought in his life after the way he was used it with Harden that he was ever going to get used this way. Yeah.
1: It's <laughs> it's a real fascinating evolution. Um, I've seen him bring up the ball for uh, Miami, and I was like... What the hell? Listen, you know, it's a weird world
0: we're living in where PJ Tucker is an unlocked player.
1: <laughs> setting up the, the play, I was like, yeah, this <laughs> this is aspect to his game that I didn't know existed. They were running elbow action through him earlier in the season. <laughs> like, man, my Miami got a that that's a machine that I think They, they, they system is just perfect for their players.
0: It really is on both sides of the ball. And I think this is a good time to talk about Jimmy. Um, he's, I believe he was named to the all-star team this year. Yeah, he was, he was, and he, he deserved to be an all-star, even though he's only played 38 games. I think JD, like he's, he's been in my top 10 forever. Right. A lot of people have disrespected him saying he's outside of the top 10. Yeah. But Jimmy, to me, has always been a guy who like even last year, I didn't have him in my top 10. I think I still had him 12th. And that was after one of the worst years of his career, mm-hmm. <laughs> like since he's become a star. He just is so impactful on both sides of the ball. He's and it feels like, you know, what's going to happen. But I was watching that Hornets game from last Saturday and it just felt like the ball somehow ended up in on his hands and on defense all the time. I don't understand. Like, he's just like a steel magnet or something. And yeah. he's just, to me, like, his game has grown exponentially since he, like, since he left Chicago. And it just feels like he's a complete player now. And if it you can like, stay healthy.
1: Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. It feel like every year we notice in another part of his game and it's like, dude, you're in your prime already. And it's like every year it's like, wow, he does this so well. Or how does he make this look so easy? Or how is he doing this? Like, we always knew Jimmy was a very tough finish at the rim. And it's like this year, he he's making it more of a... It's like he's making it his goal to finish with the left hand over people just so he could talk to them and let them know he did it with the left hand like like you said, the Hornets game. He had to go up with the left hand right there. But I seen them versus when they beat Milwaukee earlier this year. And I seen him go up with the left hand just to say he did it with the left hand. I'm like, yeah, this dude he just he just getting better and better making it become easy. He's not taking that many shots. He doesn't have to. Like, and he's looking more comfortable with at, trying to spot up which he haven't done since the Chicago days I, I I don't know I mean I'm not saying he's shooting it well but the fact he's comfortable doing it is one of those things where you just gotta sit and think like if he can knock down 30% of his spot up shots you would be scared just enough in the playoffs cause we know in the clutch Jimmy it's like, yeah, he's not a three point shooter until it's the clutch. But if he could just knock down thirty percent, spot up in the playoffs, you like, all right, this might be the one. Let me run out there. And his first step so quick, it's like you, you, you at his, you at his mercy. So it's like, don't you don't want him to shoot no better than that thirty percent if you the defense.
0: Well. I mean, even if he doesn't shoot, which he hasn't been shooting for the better since he got to Miami, really. Like, he took a yeah. lot of threes when he was in Philly, but he hasn't really, you know, been a yeah, he gunner. He not take many. He's taking one point in a game right now, which feels high, right? I probably would just say, hey, stop taking threes. You know, it's it's useless. You know, you kill from the mid-range. And he's not, like, he's not DeMar DeRozan from the mid-range. I have clean the glass pulled up. Like, from long mid-range, he's actually... Only like 23 for 71, which feels low for him. But at the rim, JD, he's only missed 65 shots at the rim this year 145 for 210, <laughs> 69% at the rim. And for, you know, a guy like Jimmy, who's, you know, the paint isn't exactly free in Miami, you know, Bam can't yeah. really shoot. You know, PJ Tucker is going to be a guy that gets left open a lot. So
1: that's why he shoots so high.
0: It's it's still impressive that he's shooting that as high as he is because the paint is cramped, and I think that's one of the reasons why to bring it back to Duncan Robinson. That's why another reasons why he's so important is because his movement creates spacing artificially, and I think that's one of the reasons why I like him a lot in Miami is because you can run him around screens and have like the. It's a different kind of spacing than the 2000 or than the Rockets, right? When they had Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson and Trevor Reza, right? That's the different kind of spacing than that, where those guys were all just standing in, you know, different spots and Harden was just finding them. Duncan Robinson is moving and engaging the defense and making you have to guard him. And then that way that creates more space. And I think that's one of the reasons why they can't get rid of Duncan Robinson as much as they might want to, because, or as much as, you know, our friend Caleb Lynn might want them to let me rephrase that is because he just, he creates the spacing artificially. And so that way you don't need to have like a bunch of shooters on the court. You have two good ones in Lowry and Tucker, and then you have one great one in Robinson. Yeah. And that's enough space that you need for them to get the job done.
1: Yeah, and they honestly didn't have to keep him, but they they made it a point of emphasis to do that.
0: Yeah, and he's gotten better every single year, including this year. Like we've been talking about, it's not it's not something people are gonna notice if they're just like, oh, hey, look, it's dunking runs
1: and he's yeah, because they noble. stuck on him being a shooter?
0: They don't like actually like you, that's something you gotta watch, right? You gotta watch him, you know, take up guys off the dribble or you know hit bam with the bounce pass splitting the double team like those are things you got to watch and I feel like if you're just looking at the stats yeah you might get deceived
1: but I think Duncan's effect opens a lot up for everybody else absolutely the fact that he can shoot is allowing the ball to flow flow more through the offense. yeah
0: and I feel like we got to spend a little more time on Lowry before we close on the heat since we already talked about them as being the favorites at the moment I mean the impact he's having, first the jump from going from Kendrick Nunn to Kyle Lowry is a huge jump in and of itself. And no disrespect to Kendrick Nunn, he's a fine player. He's not Kyle Lowry, right? Kyle Lowry's probably gonna be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And he impacts the game in so many ways. And JD, like how do you notice Kyle Lowry impacting game for the C team?
1: Everything. <laughs> It feels like he back in 2019 Toronto mode, honestly. It's like every play is just a winning play. Like, I don't know. It's like you just got to watch the game. Every rebound seems like an important rebound when he get it. He's still drawing hella charges. When he when he's choosing to shoot, just like 2019, when he chooses to score offensively, it's like he's getting whatever he wants and he's it. It makes the game so much easier for them. We already know the passing is on point. The defense is on point. It's like everything is just the right win in play. And that's all Miami about. It's just making a win in play.
0: So, you're exactly right. Um, Kyle Lowry is second in the league in charge of strong. It's going to shock you. <laughs> <laughs> he is drawn 22 charges. Blake Griffin is first somehow. Um, no surprise! Late, the, top 10 is, on the top 10 is actually pretty surprising. Derek White's third. Kevin Love's four. Garrison Matthews, five. Beverly, six. Cody Martin, seven. Austin Reeves, Jalen Brunson, and John Collins. I, that's a weird top 10 for me.
1: Yeah, I but, knew Kevin Love was in there. I knew about Kevin Love. I knew about... Um, Blake and Lowry. I didn't know about the rest of them. Yeah, it's it's an interesting stat. Well, but I did not know about Pat Biff. I didn't know he was that that low, but I did know he was like top top seven.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not surprising that he's on the list, because that seems like something he's good at. But I mean, Lowry to me just is a guy. You throw him on the floor, he's gonna find something good to do to help you win. Absolutely. Right? And like, it's even to the fact, like, where he's getting the team to push it, right? And get the team started into offense earlier. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that thing he does when he's clapping for the ball. And Chris Paul does it too. Like, it's obviously Kyle Lowry's or Chris Paul's a better player than Kyle Lowry. But I think the gap during like the last six years is a lot smaller than people would care to admit. Between Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry, I think Chris Paul's prime way better than Kyle Lowry's prime. I don't think any dispute about that, but the last six years, I think they've had a lot of similar impact on teams where they're both just like doing really smart things to help teams win. They really, they get the ball in the shooters pockets. I don't think it's a coincidence that Tyler Hero's breaking out this year. I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that I think it's weird that Duncan Robinson isn't having a career year, but I think he will, you know, once the team gets more settled chemistry wise, I think him and bam have really good chemistry. This whole team just has really good chemistry. It's like, this team needed a point guard and they got one. And I think yeah. that's what, that's when I put them over the top this year. And I think that's, you know, why you should invest in your team, why you should try to win. And this team doesn't miss precious, precious Achua. JD, I know you have like, I I know I had to catch you up on some things before we started podcasting together. Precious Achua is a verb to me because precious Achua doesn't pass. That man is allergic to passing the basketball. And he would not fit on this team. Like, he'd be a really good play finisher, but Deadman yeah. moves the ball. Deadman, yeah. you know, he'll shoot when he has to, but Deadman's not, you know, a guy that's looking to shoot every time. Precious Achua is. <laughs> and so I don't think he'd fit. So
1: I don't think losing him for Lowry hurts you. Yeah, honestly, with what you said, I think everybody on this team don't feel they got nothing to prove. They just want to win. With Precious, Precious still got a... Precious hasn't had a contract yet. Mm-hmm. He's still proving he belongs right now.
0: He is in his second year, so he has two more years that are in the contract extension, but I don't think Toronto's going to be a team giving it to him. I'll tell you. And it's not his fault. He's fine. But this team, to me, I think this team could use another backup point guard. And I wouldn't hate them going after Dragic on the buyout market. Dragic yeah, just got bought out. I see out. that they are. And it's not surprising. I'm pretty sure he's still living in Miami. So it would make just a lot of sense for him to go back to the Heat. Um, Yeah, I, I do want to shout out Struce and Vincent real quick. Those two guys. It's just cool the way the Heat develop guys and turn. Yeah, they find like, diamonds in the rough. I like those guys. <laughs> They're both players, man. And Caleb Martin, you know, I thought his brother was the better twin. Turns I, out I, I might love, have been wrong.
1: I love watching him as well.
0: He actually just got um, converted from a two way to a contract for the rest of the season. Yeah. So shout out to Caleb Martin. And yeah, like Omer Yurt 7 is play has played 40 I, games for this team. I love him. I have not watched enough of Yurt Seven to have a, a fully formed opinion on him. but I love your Seven. I mean, Kyle Guy played 15 games for this team. There's a lot of stuff. They are going to... I, I wouldn't be surprised if they turned Kyle Guy into a player. You know what I mean? He's I already one. He's already one, but I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if he's turned into more of a player, right? Oh, absolutely. They, they find these diamonds in the rough, and they develop really well in Miami. And it's good because they traded away so many of their first-round picks. Yeah. And they traded Casey pala for the right, basically, to have their first-round pick this year, which I'll be curious to see if they use or trade. But this team doesn't have a lot of holes. And I think the only holes they have is potential injuries, which Jamie's been pretty banged up the last couple of years, and Lowry... Lowry's had pretty good injury luck, and Bam hasn't been hurt much. But I Boy, think this that... this year, Bam was... That was a was, bad injury for him. But that was like a... You know, not like I feel like injury prone is something where you know you, your legs keep getting
1: hurt, right? Yeah, you always are Same, yeah. Like, I get what you're saying.
0: Bams was a wrist injury, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was. And so that's not something that's like okay, that's gonna happen again. So I'm not too concerned about him being hurt as much as he was this year. I I, I don't know. I think this team. There's a lot of interesting ways this could go in the playoffs. I really want to see them in the playoffs. <laughs> We both agree right now they're the favorites in the east And I think that's all we got JD um, Yeah I think we're ready To do shameless plugs Proverbs 31 I have not checked this out yet I'm planning to watch it Very soon I'm broke at the moment I need to get money to rent it
1: If you do not um, watch this movie It's on Tubi TV now Tubi TV yeah. and Google
0: Play is moving. Mm, it's, oh, There we go you gotta go watch it Gotta go watch it or JD will come to your house And break your legs I didn't say that <laughs> JD didn't say that. We heard it from somebody else, but make sure you go watch it. <laughs> I'm resorting to straight up violence now. Before it was like clever attempts at trying to be funny. Now it's just straight up violence. That's why I stopped promoting Dylan's book because I wasn't coming up with anything, <laughs> anything clever, um, but make sure you go check out Proverbs 31. Make sure you check out facts and stats. Make sure you check out Sanity this week. It'll be a blast. Make sure you check out Circle City Cinema this week. Last episode of Book of Boba Fett. And yeah, that's pretty much it for Shameless Plugs. Make sure, you know, if you're in a town where the Reverend Peyton's big damn band is playing, make sure you check them out. Support our friend Dylan Hughes. JD, this is a long one, but a good one. Thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Always,
1: brother.